The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, it's great to have you along with us for another program, Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. With me today, a couple that I met when they were up recording a program with John Crossman, The Crossman Conversation. Apparently, you guys know John from some time back. Way back, many, many yeah. years ago, when yeah. we were both much younger. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I have with me Phil and Priscilla Fretwell. Uh, and I think I said that correct, yep, right? Yeah. You got okay. It. I, I just, my, you know, those little momentary, like, oh, did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Phil and Priscilla have a ministry. In fact, they've got a new book that's out, and it looks pretty exciting. I've not seen it or read it, but uh, the I've having had talked with you before, I know the subject matter, and you're going to be talking in this segment about uh, about your life and I, what would be, I guess, you could say the basis for this whole book. As a matter of fact, it's the basis for your ministry. It is. It is. And uh, yeah, the book is called Savage Marriage. Subtitle is um, Triumph Over Betrayal and Sexual Addiction. So so it's kind of crazy, Mike. I envisioned at one point in my life, I'd be telling a, a great story about success to many people talking about my career and stuff like that. And instead, I'm telling the story of, of a really uh, uh, turning point in our marriage. You know, I think about that kind of thing often when I think of, uh, from the Bible, Apostle Peter, because how many of us would like to be known for the denial of Christ Yeah, when he denied knowing him? Yet his story is recorded for all time. I mean, you know, you've got some people in there, like the woman who broke the alabaster box, and the memorial of her story is told in wonderful shining ways across all generations and centuries, but then you have Peter who failed. Yeah. And sometimes, though, our failures are those demarcation points in our life mm-hmm. where the best thing that ever happened to us happened to us right in the midst of, of, of a horrible situation. And that's what happened to you. It is. And I think, Priscilla, we've learned a lot more through our pain than our comfort, don't you think? Uh, we sure have. And I think that is also true with me that this was the most painful thing in my life. Sure. And I saw God come through. Yeah. You know, I've been privileged as a pastor to be with couples who were in that point where you were, where there was a failure. And we'll hear some of the details about that failure in a moment. So our listeners will, will be up to speed, but I've been with them and I've seen the physical reaction to the pain of the heart. Sometimes, you know, the pain that we're talking about here with marriage and betrayal and uh, sin, uh, failings, however you describe it, uh, it really just does devastation to the heart. And uh, I've seen that effect. I had one person when I was talking, as the husband confessed what he had done, uh, she turned purple. I mean, I thought thought she might pass out. Mm -hmm. It looked like the oxygen was gone from her body. And it has that kind of an impact on us. So as glorious as it is when couples are together and things are going great, uh, it can be just the opposite end of that pendulum when things are not great. Yeah, it, it absolutely can. And, you know, our story our story started 
really about six years ago for us. Uh, we've been married 34 years, but at 28 years into our marriage, and I will tell you, Mike, we look like we had the, just the perfect Christian family. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got five kids. We've got, uh, we were active in church. I was the chairman of the elders at our church and just teaching weekly Bible studies, all the things that you might look at and say, man, those fretwells have got it all they together. Have a, they have it going on. I wish we were like them. You yeah. Know? Of course, I wanted to present that image, and that's what I engineered. I engineered an image like that, that I had to look perfect. Priscilla had to look perfect. The kids had to look perfect. Homeschooled our kids. We were doing all the religious things to make us look good, and we were just really, um, I, I was just uh, dying inside because uh, I had a secret that nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your word is so, I think, well-stated engineered. It was thought through mechanically, precisely, with great precision. I mean, that's what an engineer does. There's, there's no guesswork to it. When you engineer something, and sad as it is, that, that concept of engineering works with a lie mm-hmm. to a point. Yeah, but I pulled Priscilla all into this. That's right. I mean, I, I was um, a missionary's kid from Brazil, so I learned how to the do's and don'ts of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I did really well at that. I had a dad who was somewhat legalistic and made sure I could yeah. lie. Just like a PK. Yes, yeah, the same exactly. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I learned to live this life that looked good on the outside. Mm. Everything was perfect. I mean, I had, like Phil said, we had five kids, two dogs, a house, cars. You know, everything looked great. Going on vacations, going all over the world. So everything looks great. But I also had a secret because my life was not great on the inside. Mm-hmm. It was actually quite a desert. Wow. And, um, and there was no life in my, in my heart. When I hear this, and I, I mean, I can't help but being affected by that level of pain when, when you realize, and I know we all, we've all sinned, right? I mean, right. we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so I, I want to make sure that everyone is aware that these comments, when we talk about things that we wish we could do over again, we know that in a real sense, there's not a one of us in the world, not a one. There was only one, and that was Jesus, but he's the only one. The rest of us have those things that are our secrets in our lives too, mm-hmm. and some of them affect us, and sometimes those quiet things that are on the inside, mechanically engineered to never come out. Uh, when they do come out, they don't just affect you. They affect the one you love. And that's what we're talking about here. Well, I believed a lie at the base of this thing, Mike. I believed that I could almost disassociate what was happening with my body and what I was doing with my body with my spiritual life and my emotional life. And I, uh, I've now learned I couldn't do that, but right. that's the way I was trying to live. And so I went on with this charade in my life for many, many years and it started as with many, many kids. I started with pornography as a kid, but then it grew to include other women as I got older. And all the time, I'm trying to still maintain my view of good Christian father and husband mm-hmm. and religiosity. So as you can imagine, the tension inside of me was just terrible. And uh, I was really dying inside. Mm. How many years were you involved in that, that part where it was actually involving other people? It was probably about uh, seven years, seven or eight years, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was just a, um, 
it was a terrible piece inside of shame and regret. And anytime I knew that I needed to teach a Bible study or do something like that, I would always make sure I'm praying and reading my Bible and trying to work my way back up yeah. into God's good yeah. graces so I can perform, right? Whew, I know that feeling of when you're trying to think about what you just did, whatever that is, whatever level it is, there is that sense of temptation that can happen when you think, man, am I qualified to even read the Bible here? Right. I mean, that, yeah. that happens. Yeah. And so this whole time, you know, Priscilla has really no idea what's, what's going on. What did you have any idea, Priscilla? You know, the only, um, you know, looking back, it's interesting. Um, I had dreams, Mike, uh, throughout our 28 years of marriage, and they would always be the same dream. Mm. And the dream was, is that I would be with him and he would be flirting with other women and I would wake up and I would be so angry. I bet. Yeah. And then, uh, I would, I would, he would say, what's wrong? And I would say, I had another dream and I would say it's the same dream. Mm. And then he would say, I'd say, uh, honey, I have only eyes, eyes for, for you, you. <laughs> you know, and it's just, and it was a lie. It was a lie, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I think the Holy spirit yeah. was revealing to her. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was too. I want to go back real quick cause I don't want to leave this point because I think just like there are what are called gateway drugs, mm-hmm. there are things that drug abusers uh, they start off with that seem innocuous, innocent, low level. Yeah, it's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, but it's, you know, it is not that bad. And there are there's a gateway into this lifestyle as well that you encountered. And you mentioned pornography. Yeah. There, it, now, that is something that I think there's probably not a believer who's been in any church in, in America that would have would not have at least some thought or idea or notion that they shouldn't be into pornography. Right. But yet this is now being diced out to everybody on the internet through just even social media. If you're not careful, you can see things that you can't unsee. Right. On yeah. social media, on Facebook. Yeah. You know, some of these reels that come out, uh, there's, mm. that is a gateway to a, a deeper, darker, more sinister habit. It is. And uh, I mean, I'd say several months ago, somebody sent me something on TikTok. I don't know what it was. I don't have a TikTok account or yeah. anything, but they sent me something to just look at. And so I, I hit it. And so then the speed starts. And so for about 10 minutes, I'm just reeling through this and I'm going like, oh my gosh, in 10 minutes, this is where you wind up. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't porn, but it was it was sensuality. Yeah. It's what we call the lies of PG thirteen, right? It's the it's the step before. And I had to go and confess to Priscilla. Yeah. I told my kids about it. I yeah. said, I mean, this is not good for me. I am not gonna look at this stuff. And I think, you know, I heard uh who was it? It was John Piper. I heard John Piper talk about why he does not watch R rated movies because mm-hmm. of the impact that it brings to the heart and to the mind. Right. And I think this is a major point that I want us to discuss here because you guys, you, in some ways you live through the dark and dirty of all of that mm-hmm. in, in a very real way. But there are people who are playing around with the dark and dirty and they haven't gotten to that stage yet. Yeah. And, and they think sometimes they think I'm doing all right. Right. Because I'm not in that extreme side of the pendulum swing here. Yeah. But it's not okay. No, it's really not. And we are also finding it's not just guys now. 
either. You know, the stats are alarming on the guys. It's, it's you know, 70%, 80%. Um, but the women now are like 25 to 30, if you look at some of the... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we're seeing even the women involved in this. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it is really a very important thing that we... And I, I've heard this, and Phil and Priscilla, I'm sure you guys have talked to people who made a statement along these lines that that kind of stuff, that kind of thinking, it's, it is addictive. It is because it, I've heard one person say there's a, like a, something released in the brain chemically where it's almost like it rewires your way of thinking. That's, it does. It's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. You started it, to well, say. Well, I was just going to say that, it, you know, the age of kids looking at porn is younger than it's ever been, and it's it's really a, uh, you know, a sad case in the sense of these images that they start out with will remain in their head forever. Yeah. And it it is it really has to be the power of God that removes that, and uh, there's I only one true. way yeah. to do it, and that's through the Lord. But it. Because you see, I was also introduced to porn when I was babysitting when I was 15. And I went looking around the house and I found the magazines and the books and I started looking at them. Mm -hmm. And those images stayed with me for 28 years. Yeah. And they don't just stay with you. They call out to you. Uh, that, that's what happens with this addiction is that it suddenly, it's difficult to, this is what I've, I've, uh, you know, heard and both experienced to the degree in my own personal life. Now, by God's grace, I've not, I've not been into the serious side of this, but I, you don't have to, and I'm not proud of the level where I was, but mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, it calls out, it called, it was calling my name. Yeah. Yeah. It calls everybody's names on that. And you know, guys are so visually oriented in this, but the women are romantically oriented. So, you know, they see the pictures and they start thinking of the romance. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, some of even the women, Priscilla, I'm thinking about the, uh, the novels, the, the, yeah. uh, right. The, the, the novels that you read, the romantic Yeah. Novels. Some of them are, uh, yeah, well, those are, yeah, I read even those. the covers are, yeah. are very sensuous <laughs> uh, as right. you were saying. Yeah. And, and they also remain in your head. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, it's like you're making it your own movie in here. Yeah, know? because the word is so explicit. The words that they use, the descriptions, it's right. it, it just because God gave us these wonderful minds and imaginations. We hear the descriptions that are given and it's like there is a, a commensurate painting going on in our brain, a visual of what we see as we're reading it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this it, it is. I just feel the need to say uh, this whole thing, I, I like what you said earlier, Phil, the danger of PG-13. Yeah. We've got to be careful because there are things on PG-13s that used to be considered R-rated. Yeah. And and now we've, you know, there's this, I've heard a guy speak on this years ago about the middle of the road and he, he had this great illustration and he said, God's word is always going to be on the right side. Mm -hmm. That is unmovable. It is unchanging. It's never going to go away. It's right there. And and then you have the other side of the road, and that's the demonic side. That's the devil. That's his evil desire. And it, 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 a lot of people try to stay on the line in the middle. They, they're middle of the roaders. Mm -hmm. But the trouble is, while God's word never changes, it's always steady. The other side waxes worse as wax worse as time goes on. In other words, evil gets more evil. And when what happens? The road widens. Yeah. And what happened to the middle of the road? The middle of the road ends up where what used to be the far side of the evil side of the road was. Yeah. And you can be there, 
just by being a middle of the rotor. That's exactly right. And the PG-13 stuff and some stronger is all available on all the social media platforms. And so one of the things that we find with uh, people that are stuck in this is one of the things they start doing is deleting their social media accounts. Yeah. Because they've realized where that has taken their mind. Right. And uh, because we're all five or six clicks away from some really terrible stuff that will pollute your mind for a long time. And, you know, this is not happening innocently or accidentally either. They have algorithms out there in this social media stuff, friends. Our listeners listening, if you want to know what that is, do a little Google on algorithm and you'll see they have ways of finding out what it is that you click. So you're being watched whether you realize you are or not. And if you click on something, that algorithm says, hey, uh, this guy clicked on this, so let's feed him a little bit more. And there are people out there who are running the ship, if you will, of these algorithms. It's all aimed at getting you to see something harder, darker, more serious. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, we find in this, the real sinister part of this thing is it will steer your mind away from your spouse. Yeah. On both sides. It really will. It'll take you to a place of shame that you're, you, you become hard towards God and then you become not as attracted to your spouse because no wife or husband, don't you think Priscilla, can yeah. keep up with what's displayed on the porn. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's not real. It's not even real. It's not real. Yeah. It's all fake and uh, it, it's not uh, something that we should aspire to. Scripture tells us whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are, are lovely. Think upon those things. That's where our mind should be. But we live in a culture where that is not the case. So first of all, we're kind of coming to the end of this segment. I want to say thank you for your candidness, first of all, for your willingness to come on and talk about something that I know it's not pleasant. I know that's not like this is not the part of your life that you just get the warm fuzzies thinking about and love reliving. and But yet God's given you a grace where you have not only been able to be healed, but you're able to help other people. Yeah. And that's what your book is doing. We're going to talk about that in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. My guests today, Phil and Priscilla Fretwell. We'll be back with them in just a moment. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. My guest in the studio today is Phil and Priscilla Fretwell. They're from the area of Central Florida in the Oviedo, is that right? Up in the Oviedo area. Mm -hmm. And they've been around for quite a while. And if you just tuned in, their story is a marriage healed. I mean, if I were to say two words to describe your life, that's what happened. Yeah. Marriage healed. It, it, it is. And it's, 
it's interesting as God moved through our healing story, Mike, and um, it was hard to get through any type of healing, like dealing with uh, sexual betrayal and all those types of things and everything. But um, I came clean with Priscilla. We brought our kids into this, and then we started trying to teach other people what God had done in our life. Now, how did that happen? The idea of, I mean, because I know in the beginning, you're you're doing everything you can do to keep your own life straight and your yeah. own mind straight together and all that. How did that happen where you thought, ah, this is something that I need to be helping other people through? Well, we were, it's, it's funny, when you go through something like this, a lot of self-righteous people run away from you, but the broken people run to you. And so when we started becoming really transparent about what God had done in our life, people started raising their hands and said, hey, can I talk to you? And so as we started getting more and more people like that, we actually produced, uh, it was a study guide first, right, Priscilla? Right. The study guide came first. And, and you got to walk people through that study guide. We, we yeah. started walking through it. And somebody said, you guys did this all backwards. You know, most people write the book first. And then they write the study guide. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's not, it's just we weren't, we were more focused on really trying to do what we could to help other people than really kind of trying to get a book produced. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and this, and the workbook is really things that God has impressed on us, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's some of the things that he showed us in our marriage that we were lacking. Well, yeah. by nature too, that workbook meant that people were really thinking through and then applying it because they're, they're part of the writing out in that book. Then they're, yeah. they're contributing it, it really is true. And so then when we got to the book, we really did not aspire to write a book. No, that uh, was our, that was the last thing on my mind, especially is I'm not a writer and I'm not going to write a book. Mm -hmm. And, but God has a way of coming alongside you. And, you know, we started, you know, a lot of people were saying, Oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. And then it's kind of like, well, then God came in. Yeah. So we really had these two questions. One was, should we write a book? And the second question was, if we wrote a book, how would we do that? I mean, do I write the book and try to say what she said, or did she write it and say, or do we write it together? What do we mm -hmm. do, right? Yeah. And so we got connected to this writer's conference that they were putting on at Crew. And so we went. And we went to the conference with those two questions in mind. Yeah. Because we knew nothing about writing a book. Yeah. And had each of you, either of you, ever written anything that was published? Uh, you know, in business, I had a couple of articles published mm -hmm. in magazines and stuff, but you know, writing a book wasn't just kind of in my wheelhouse. I didn't think it yeah. would be, especially about a topic. This is not a business topic. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about this very thing, the percentage of people who actually think about writing a book and actually do it. It's a very small sliver. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not like everybody does this. So it's congratulations. Yeah. You guys, uh, you did it. <clears throat> you put it through. Well, so we go to this conference with these two questions, right? And so what is it, the first day of the conference? Yeah, it's, a, it's an evening, a reception. We go to it. We meet a whole bunch of other people who are going to be in the conference and um, the workshop. And, you know, and everyone, everyone there has been already writing their books. And so the question is always, so what book are you uh, going to write? And we're like, and everybody has an answer for that. Oh, yeah. And we're, and we're like, um. Well, we don't really know. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've had this thing in our marriage happen and so forth. We're, we're just sharing with people, right? And um, and so I met this one, one lady and this is our conversation was like this. And the next morning, so we leave that night. The next morning, I'm sitting there in the seat and this woman comes up to me, the woman who I have shared with. Right. 
And she says, Priscilla, I have a word from God for you. And I said, what is it? And she said, God wants you and Phil to write a book together. Wow. And I said, all right, thank I thought, you. I thought you were going to tell me something on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So that, that was like a Thursday. Because remember, we, we come, should we write a book? Yeah. We, how do we do it? So that's kind of answering those questions. So then we go to Atlanta and to see our kids, and we go to this church. It's not their church. It's not a church they've ever been to. But they were visiting. They wanted to visit this church, right? And so we go there to visit with them. And it's kind of meeting, and it's a, a big tent outside. They've got about 500 people. And it seems to be a really happening place, right? And so at the during the it was during the service, right? right. They asked. Uh, well, the, one person had just written a book in their congregation, mm-hmm. and the pastor was, you know, uh, giving her honor, and and then the pastor asked, "Does anyone here want to write a book?" And <laughs> Phil and I kind of half arm uh, our like, hands up, yeah, like maybe, yeah. it, <laughs> probably, maybe no, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like you you feel too guilty to leave your hand on your on your knee, so you raise it up to like shoulder, yeah, right. right? You know, and hope nobody sees it. And and so then after the service is over, they've got uh, a line if you want to come down to receive Christ. They had a line that if you want to pray for somebody for healing. And then they had a third line, and it was a line that if you want to go down and have somebody speak a prophetic word over you. And I thought, huh. This is new to us. This is new to us. I said, but man, if they've got, so I asked Priscilla, I said, listen, I'm going to go down and get in that third line. You want to come? And she goes, okay. And so we go down to the third line and, uh, you know, a little bit out of our experience level here, but Mm -hmm. so we kind of walk in there and there's a couple and all they tell us is don't tell them anything about yourself. Just give them your name. And so that's what we did. And we go up and it's a man and a woman. And uh, the woman, they prayed for a second and the woman starts speaking. She says, you know, I was impressed when you came up that you have a big opportunity in front of you. And God is really happy with the way you're stewarding what he's given you. And what you're going to do is going to be very successful. And she paused and she said, as long as you do it together, you have to do it together. If you don't do it together, it's not going to be successful. And so when she said that, Priscilla, you started crying. I did. I knew what yeah. I knew what she what the Lord was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so then the guy starts speaking. He said, "When you walked up, I was." He said, "Do you remember how the children of Israel set up a memorial stones when they crossed the Jordan right, River?" Right. Yeah. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "I'm impressed that God wants you to set up a memorial stone. He wants you to go back and tell a story and relive a story about something He's done in your life, and He wants you to do it right now." And it was just like, wow, it was the two questions. Mm-hmm. And so we heard it on Thursday. We heard it on Sunday. So we came back from that and we just felt like this is this is God confirming what he has spoken to other people yeah, about, spoken yeah. to us about. Wow, and that's, that's amazing. That's that's the word we got to move forward with it. So you're going to write this story and what you've learned. You're going to do it together. Yeah. And so you're putting the heads together. Now, how many months... Uh, let's say removed in between from when you came clean and and you were broken, right? To when you started writing that book, how long was that? That game? well, that would have been probably about two year, two and a half years. Right. I think it was about two and a half years. And once we got this real word, I remember it was in January. It it really took us almost another year to start writing it because mm. we just we didn't know how to process it. We were trying to figure out what to do, but. When we started, we had it from from start to finish and publication. It was fifteen months, 
And I, so, I'm amazed that number one, you guys came together again in your marriage. So God did a, a microwave work in your heart, Priscilla. He sure did. I mean, he that thing was on like high power. <laughs> you, you know, I know that in the beginning you had to be ready to clubbing with a with an iron pan, right? I mean, I, it, I, really I deserved it. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it was hard. It was a hard road of recovery and healing. Um, it isn't easy. It's something that God um, was instrumental in both of our lives of showing himself and um, wanting to do a work because my heart was, a, I was a hard woman. You know, I, I had been full of anger and unforgiveness. I was consumed by fear. And, um, you know, I, I didn't get to share this in the last episode, but I, I went to a four days to hope meeting um, and it's done by whatever it takes ministries. It's mm-hmm. for women. And, um, you know, God took me to that place, not because I went looking for it, but actually because Phil found it and he said, you know, um, I need healing. Will, will you help me heal? And I said, yes, I would. So I went up there thinking I was going to go up there for Phil, you know, get this thing straight, get this thing done, you know. And um, but when God took me up there, uh, he had different plans for me. He was working on you. He was. And that's exactly what he said. He said, Priscilla, it was the first day, the meeting uh, on a Friday morning, and I'm listening to them speak. And I'm just like, where has this been on my life? You know, it's just was totally blew me out of the water what they were talking about mm-hmm. and um i remember sitting there and god said to me i heard the lord say to me priscilla i came here to fix you mm-hmm. and i brought you here for that and um and it was just a revelation to me that god wanted to take this desert heart that i had the heart of stone and he wanted to break it and give me a heart of flesh. Yes. Oh, that's and, wonderful. and he did. And, um, and you know, God started a work that, that weekend in my life. And so coming home, then we started working on our marriage. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And, uh, you know, just even hearing the emotion and seeing the tears that are flowing right now, I'm touched in my heart freshly about God's redeeming power. And he can take just what you said, a heart that is stone, and only God can do this. Only God can turn that heart into a a soft, loving, joyful, warm, fuzzy heart of flesh again. Only God can do that. Yeah. That's what he did. Absolutely. And And he did it in short order. He sure did. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that really took us to the place because, you know, when I, when I confessed to her, everybody knew I was in the top spot in the family because I projected myself like that. But when I confessed and confessed to her and all my kids and my relatives and people who admired me, what kind of life I had been living, it put me on the bottom rung. Oh yeah. Pretty quick. Yeah. You probably had people that told you off right to your face. I did. Well, yeah. including Priscilla, you yeah. know, right, right. and some of my sure. kids, you know, and I'm, so, hey, I'm the guy that said about the iron pan. Remember? That's, yeah, right. that's yeah. right. Yeah. But you know, what happened is when Priscilla got back from four days to hope, what she did is she met me mm-hmm. on the bottom rung mm-hmm. and it, and it changed her life. It really did. If she had never seen where she was and agreed 
you know, because I will tell you, the stuff I did was much worse than where she was in my mind, in the mind of a man. But she she voluntarily took herself and said, Phil, I'll meet you there. And that changed everything in our yeah. marriage, Mike. It yeah. really did. Uh, I think it's beautiful. And, you know, realizing the seedbed of your lives that are at this point now, God has taken that wonderful Holy Spirit plow and he's dug up fallow ground in your hearts that have been fallow for a long time, longer Mm -hmm. than either of you would have been aware, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the new seeds of faith, the new seeds of obedience, the new seeds of joy, the new seeds of the Lord and his plan and his purposes fall down into that soil. And you begin to do this thing together of cultivating the future of what's going to come up. Yeah. From that. And I will tell you, we ran to God. We really did. We were processing four hours a day, don't you think? Yeah, I would say Getting that. Up early. In, the, in the morning and, and after dinner at <clears> night, <throat> we were processing. Uh, we would t- take walks like at 530 in the morning and just wow. talk. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, but it was at the feet of Jesus. You know, we didn't find healing at the feet of a counselor or any man or organization. I and mean, it was right at the feet of Jesus. And he used some other people to direct us. And but you know, the people we were talking to all directed us back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was that was key for us. It really was. Goodness. Well, this book, Savage Marriage. Now that uh, that is a catchy title. Explain yeah. how the title came about. <laughs> well, I was actually, we were talking to our 25-year-old son after this all happened, and um, and we, we were talking about our small group, and he says, what are you going to call it? And I said, I don't know, something like maybe oneness in marriage or, you know, something like that. And he goes, oh, <laughs> dad, he goes, that is so awful. That's so 1990, uh, yeah. is what he said. And my <laughs> kids would say, Dad, that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, all right, what would you call it? And he paused and he said, savage marriage. Savage. And, and so it's eventually we start focusing on this verse, Matthew eleven twelve, And the verse, it's an obscure verse, but it says uh, Jesus is talking and he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and violent men take it by force. And what we observed in our marriage is this was something that you have to see the promises of God and you have to say, I will not be denied mm-hmm. what is due for me based on the authority of the word of God. I'm going after it. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to pursue it. And I'm going to hold on to it. It's like a violent man taking it by force. It's yeah. a picture of Jesus in the temple clearing yeah. clearing it. Yeah, The zeal of the Lord consumed right. him. And that's where we got the name. It's a great name, and the book, uh, just the whole concept of what, you know, the, the idea of what it's about is so interesting. But then when you you put the real-life story of your guys, first of all, the, the problem, and then, you know, you think about it, your life is really just a picture of our all of our lives before God in the sense that there was a, a wonderful opportunity, which you guys got married. It's beautiful. Then there's the problem that took you down and the enemy wanted to take you out. Yeah. I mean, that's really what he did. He was after both of you to destroy you. But then you have the solution. That's what the Lord in his grace and he saves and he brings that which was broken and he fixes it back up. And then he gives us a glorious inheritance of something to look forward to and do. And he, here you are, you're launched into a ministry with a Oh, a catchy book named by your son, right? Yes. 
That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Tell him I said, great job. Yes, I will do it. And uh, that's it. it. And the, the cover is awesome. And I, I'm not I'm not impressed so much with cover as much as I'm impressed with what I know about the two of you yeah. and the lives that you're really not only aiming to live honorably before each other and honoring each other, but most importantly, honoring God. And then from that, honoring what his will is to help other people. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, we, we have been so blessed to be able to walk through this and for having people trust us with their stories. And it's been amazing. Well, I want to hear the details about that in a moment. So we're going to go more into savage marriage with Phil and Priscilla Fretwell in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd and with me in the studio, Phil and Priscilla. It is, it's such a delight to have this couple here. Again, if you missed segment one, I met them. Uh, I don't know exactly how you met John Crossman, but uh, John had you guys up some months back mm-hmm. uh, to talk about this very thing, your lives, uh, the ministry that you have of reconciliation. And uh, I got to meet this couple that day, and I was really impressed with your heart with your spirit, with your desire to serve and honor God, man. So that's why I wanted you on the program. Well, it's so great being back with you on this, Mike. Yeah. And uh, and we, we love sharing our story because it's what God did. Now, you, this story that you're going to be sharing and they, that has come out in this book now, Savage Marriage, you're going to be down at the NRB in a, in a little week and a half or so, right? We are. We are. Yeah, our book uh, recently won a, a, a Christian Indie Award. Wow. And congratulations. So, yeah, yeah. We, we got a first place award on that, and which we were shocked because we're not writers and, you know, it's kind of a first book out, right? So self-published? It was self-published. And uh, because we found out that a publisher was going to take about another year and a half to two years to do it. Yeah. And, and we just said, this is crazy. We can't wait for this. Yeah. So the, the NRB, in case our listeners don't know what that is, stands for National Religious Broadcasters. And every year we meet uh, as, a, as an industry, those of us that are in broadcasting, we meet. And a lot of people like yourselves are also there uh, in, in the expo floor. Will you have a booth? Is that what you're going to be doing? Yeah, we are going to be with uh, the um, Christian Independent Pub independent publishing association who gave us the award and so they'll be displaying our booth there or our book there on in their booth and you get to go will you have a book a book signing there um you know their schedule is full right now they said if they we got in on this late and so but if they cancel we'll do a book signing and i hope you get to do that then we're lining up some interviews while we're there that's awesome because you do a podcast too right we do that's right yeah Yeah. it's called uh, savage marriage with phil and priscilla and, That's uh, awesome. yeah, and it's, it's, um, I mean, we're hitting the hardest topics, you know, now so many people are podcasters and this is something that I know that when you started doing this, I don't think you had background or experience in recording or whatever, no, right? No, no, we didn't. We just we jumped in. zero it. experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys jumped into the fire and you 
you started producing your own program. That's right. And it, it's been uh, it's been an uphill battle, but, you know, I think now we're getting, you know, the gist of it. Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's amazing with the advent of the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gen Z kids all the time, they, they, they can figure it out because of that. They just go to Google and say, how do you podcast? Mm-hmm. How do you engineer a podcast? And, yeah. And the answer is going to be right there. Yeah. Yeah, but we try to hit the topics. I mean, the t- last one we just did was called uh, Relapse Isn't the End of Your Story because so many people become free and then they're, they have an issue, right? And so we go through our own story and how we yeah. dealt with this stuff and what happened. And, um, and so we're super real. It's built around our story. It's kind of an old no-holds-barred approach to sharing what God's done in our life and using that to, to help other people. And how long is it? We try to keep each episode under 25 minutes. Yeah. My program turns into a podcast, too, and it's long by industry standards. The podcast version is about 50, 52 minutes. Yeah. So, um, but it's contiguous. It runs straight through. So people who listen, they can uh, they can flip on or spin ahead to see the guests that they're going to have. Sometimes I have multiple guests. Mm-hmm. Sometimes on my program, just like today, the same guest all the way through. Mm-hmm. And you guys are, are easily able to carry this entire program. So I hope to see you. In fact, I'd love for you to stop by where I'm going to be uh, in the press center down there. At the oh, NRB. good. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah, we plan to be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then we'll catch up and do a segment with you down there. Okay. And uh, then uh, that'll give you one more experience of the NRB fields. There yeah. you go. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. great. That's great. You know, this is so much fun to see. When you look at, uh, over the, the next couple of years, what do you see happening? Do, is there another book? Or is, are there ongoing seminars? What would you think would be the future for Phil and Priscilla? Talk about the book. Talk about the what? The book. The, the second book, devel- huh? The one we're developing. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we were approached on doing, I mean, this is one of those crazy, this is just how God kind of moves things. Like, from our standpoint, we work with couples, Right. But we were approached um, six or eight months ago about working with some teens, and it's at a conference in Indonesia, and it's uh, put out by the uh, sponsored by the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's called their Checkpoint Conference, but it's for all their missionary kids that are in Southeast Asia. And so um, when they called us, they had read our book, and they said, man, would you guys come down and talk to our kids about sexuality? And we said, uh, wow, well, we kind of work with couples, married couples. And the Lord's, the, I felt like the Lord said, you know, that's right. You are way too late. You, if you really want to have an impact, you got to get started earlier. Mm-hmm. And so for the last several months, we've been putting together material actually designed for teens. Mm-hmm. And our, uh, our working title on this is uh, Storylines, uh, Discovering God's Epic Journey of Sexuality. Because most of the stuff for kids is built around don't, don't, don't. And we have to get back to do, do, do. What is it that God wants us to see? Because it's an epic journey. It's a monumental discovery that he wants us to have in our sexuality yeah, yeah. that reflects who yeah. he is and his relationship with us. Now, you guys are really coming into this at a time when the culture is upside down on this issue. I mean, there are so many debates this transgendered movement that's going on, uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. But you've got major industries like what's happening right now with Anheuser-Busch yeah. over over their decision to to put uh, 
a person on the can that that their um, their client base said, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And you know, our culture is really upside down. You've got teachers in schools uh, really hiding facts from parents. Yeah. This is a tough time. So well, kids it, need these answers, it's right? It's a tough time also in the church because the, this is happening in the church too. You know, it's not something that we talk about, but the yeah. kids that are out there are coming and being a part of the church and they, they need their questions answered. Yeah. You know, not being ostracized, but being displaying grace and truth mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very much a need in our culture and in our church culture. I agree. And, you know, it's wonderful to have people who I believe listen to the spirit of God the way you do, mm-hmm. that your ideas that you're coming at, it's going to be fresh because number one, it's been born out of what you've learned and what you've heard from God. But then it's not like mm-hmm. you were even setting out on a 30 year plan to teach young people on this issue. No, it's not. And it is Mike, a momentary by momentary listening to God. I mean, I, I think yesterday morning, We've been working on this material, and I woke up really early early in the morning, and I'm laying there in bed, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is giving me some things to write about. And so I get out of bed, I go to the table, and I start just writing it down and mm-hmm. changing some things. And I do that for a couple of hours. Then I say, I say, Lord, I, I didn't even look at my Bible this morning. I didn't even pray. I said, I am sorry that I just didn't join you this morning. And he looked, I felt like he, he just said to me, Mike, Phil, what do you think we've been doing the last two hours? Do you think you just do this by yourself? <laughs> and, and he said, this is what I want to do. I want to have a moment by moment relationship right. where we talk back and forth. And he said, I love it when you read my Bible, but you can hear me. And, and it was just like, wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause we can live in right. this legalistic ob- obligatory way of our relationship with God and never really be attuned to what he's trying to tell us individually. I agree. We all need the word. We should be in the word. We should aim to be in the word every day. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you're right. I think our response to that can be, we just start acting like a, a servant instead of a son. Yes. And I, I think that's the key that we've got to realize that he's made us to be his own children. Yes. And he will correct mm-hmm. us. He will get us back there. But we've got to be able to see that. Now, in our time remaining, we've got just a few minutes left. I would love to ask you about something that I think would have crossed the mind of any of our listeners who are hearing your story, and that would be the power of forgiveness. And and how do you get that? Because a lot of people hold on to hurts. You know, there's even this thing today called church hurt mm-hmm. that's out there. It's big time <clears throat> with a lot of people and a lot of young people feel like they were hurt by the church and they're deconstructing their faith. How did you guys, with the level of betrayal, the level of problems, the the brokenness that you had, how did you, how did you find forgiveness? First of all, Phil, for you, for yourself, because you were the kind of the one who kind of put everything into this. And I'm not saying, Priscilla, that you didn't bring anything to the table, but he's he was the the first, like you said, you were at the top yeah. of that. But then you had your own stuff. You had to be able to forgive him, plus forgive, uh, get forgiveness for the things in your own heart that you'd done. How does that happen? Well, for me, it came to the place of really understanding the forgiveness God gave me and seeing what he had done on the cross and died for that, right? And at the place I started embracing that, I could let go of any penance I was trying to 
pay for my own wrongdoings. Mm. You know, like what I mentioned earlier, if I had to teach something and now I'm working my way back into God's good graces. So I was able to let go of all that, Mike, all that stuff, Mike, and see um, that God's forgiveness was enough for me Yeah, in the middle of that. Wow. How about you, Priscilla? Well, I think for the first time, like I said, up there in um, the cabin with Four Days to Hope was the first time that I even heard what forgiveness was not. And uh, that was was eye-opening for for me in what forgiveness is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had to really see my life where it was and what God had forgiven Mm -hmm. me for because I had been an apathetic woman towards God. Mm-hmm. I did not um I did not need God. I had everything I needed mm-hmm. in a husband who provided, who was my friend, he was my problem solver. So Phil became my little God. Mm-hmm. And the God that I should worship was not in the scene. Yeah. It did not mean that I did not receive Jesus when I was six. I did. But he was always in the back seat because I could handle everything. So when this little God, Phil, came crumbling down, I realized that I had put all my trust in everything in him and nothing in Christ. And cursed is a man who trusts in man. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? That's right. And I needed to trust in God. Yeah. He's the only one that was going to get us out of this mess. Yeah. And, um, and God showed me where my sin was before him. And I had a rebellious spirit towards God mm. that I didn't want to see his word. I didn't want to listen to him. I didn't want to invite him into anything that I was doing because I could handle it myself. Yeah. And, um, and when I saw my sin before God is when I realized how much he has forgiven me. Yeah. God has forgiven me for what I've done and now the way I've been walking for the past 50 years. And that is the reason why I could forgive my husband because I have been forgiven and God had forgiven Phil. You know, he had, he humbled himself before God and he was like, he was looking to God for healing and forgiveness and God forgave him. So the, the way we saw forgiveness is that we had to see how much God had forgiven us and we could forgive one another. That's beautiful. I love that whole thing about what forgiveness is. It's when you extend forgiveness to somebody, you are releasing your claim to continue to be angry and hurt over that. That's really, you can't hold on. You can't forgive them if you don't do that. That's Mm -hmm. right. So you have to do that. And that, again, levels the playing field and you guys can start to heal and grow. Yeah. And and another thing that happened uh, with us, uh, well, with me, I should say, is that you know, I looked at forgiveness as a choice that I would make every day. Mm-hmm. And I, I did make this choice every day. I would get up and I would say, Lord, you've forgiven me. You've forgiven Phil. And I know I could forgive him. Yes. And I would take, I would make that decision every day. And it, it took, it takes time. You don't, you don't feel the, the warm, fuzzy things towards somebody, but that you can walk in a, in a, Take an action step of forgiveness, and God is going to bring this through. He says that we can forgive each other. He wants us to forgive one yes. another. So it is a possibility. It's not an impossibility. I agree. Got just enough time for the website. Yes, our website is savagemarriageministries.com. 
Phil and Priscilla Fretwell, thank you for being with me. Oh, thanks so much for having us, Mike. It's really been a joy. I'll yeah. see you at the NRB. Yes, we will be, we'll there. be there. All right. Okay. This is great. And friends, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <laughs>